Okay. Hey, everybody, and good evening. Uh, welcome to Wednesday evening here on Live Long and Podcast. It is January 13th, 2021. Uh, but Star Trek, the original series, Court Martial, uh, season one, episode 14, is over and has been since 1967. But we're here to break it all down, uh, bringing in the title of this podcast, my dad, Ted. How are you doing, dad? I'm doing great. Thank you. Welcome tonight. Uh, bringing in next, we got our good friend and correspondent. We have Adam Woodward. How are you doing tonight, Adam? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Hope you guys are good, too. Thank you. And also uh, bringing in, we have Jeff Mater, my brother. How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, good, you? Yeah, good, good. And uh, Jody Simpson uh, sends his regrets, although he did send a rating in, uh, but he will not be with us tonight to talk about this episode, which again is court martial, which is where James Kirk goes on trial for the wrongful death of a crew of a fellow crewman uh, in a crisis. So uh, courtroom dramas. Let's break it all down. Um, okay, maybe we'll we'll start with Dad. Dad, you picked court martial was there a reason that you picked this last week and uh and then we'll get into maybe what you thought of the episode well i think it was an episode that kept you on the edge of your seat because you really didn't know what was going to it didn't look good for kirk for a while there and then when they showed the video it really didn't look good but yeah. um, you know and then spock kind of figured out a possibility and uh and things turned out but it, it kept you right to the end as to uh, what was going on so, so was this was an episode bad. you had seen before yeah, it was one I had seen before, yeah. Okay. Uh, and did you like it? Yes, I did, yeah. Well, you said I you were in the end of your scene. Okay, okay. So let's go over to Jeff next. Jeff, um, court-martial. So we'll hear this term, court-martial, over and over again throughout yeah. Star Trek. Uh, but this is maybe the only one we ever, maybe one of the only ones we ever see on screen in any of the shows. Um, there's only a handful that I can remember. Uh, what did you think of it? This is like the proto episode here um, in this kind of format for a trial of, a, of one of the main characters on Star Trek. I, I loved it. I thought this was one of the best um, original series episodes I've watched. Um, I thought the whole episode was well written. I was never bored. Uh, the I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought they... And they do kind of do a little bit more of this stuff where, like in the movies, where Star Trek is like, like Kirk is always like in trouble. And like in six, he's obviously there's a trial. Uh, I think in four, there's a court martial of some kind. Like, like there, there's always, or is it three? Um, no, well, at the end of four, yeah, they face the Federation president for what they did in Star Trek three. Right. So, like, you know, they, they're, they're, they use this trope later on in the movies. And I think they, they knew it worked. And uh, and it does. I, I and uh, I would have liked to have seen another episode like this. I mean, Dave, we, we over on Do Say's Nine at Nine ish, we've been covering uh, different episodes, and this kind of reminds me of the episode Dax in a lot of ways. Dax, where uh, in that episode, there's a character who's on an extradition hearing to be like to have to face crimes committed by the past host of the Dax symbiote. Curzon in that case. Yeah, so that and that's a long like sitting down, talking, testimonies, let's call people. Let's go to Adam next. Adam, uh, is this an episode you had seen before? Uh, I, I I don't think I would have watched as a kid. It was pretty slow, mm -hmm. you know, for for a, for that age, but I I really liked it. it. You know, to Jeff's point, it was it was engaging, it wasn't boring. It wasn't it wasn't a quick-paced episode by any means um or action packed, but uh, it was very Perry Mason-esque, you know, from the 60s as well, you know, the courtroom. And I I liked his lawyer. I thought he was awesome. I, it, You know, I I liked it a lot. I, you know, I, and, and Ted, you're right. You know, you got to the stage where, you know, the video was very damning and how he's going to get out of this. And, I, you know, I was waiting. So it was uh, a good episode. Yeah, some interesting things here. Like, as mentioned, this is the first season. So this is only, well, it's the 14th episode or so. So it's a, it's... Three quarters into Star Trek. Uh, there's a couple like discrepancies on a couple things here, but uh, interesting to kind of show a base. Although I think like the menagerie perhaps had also had shown another base, right? Uh, which I think came before this. Um, the one where uh, where Spock has a court martial as well for what he's doing, stealing the Enterprise to take Captain Pike back to Talos Four. But here it's the the incident itself has already happened by the time this episode begins, and we're told Kirk there was some kind of crisis. And by the way, Kirk changes his shirt a lot. 
in this episode. It changes from scene to scene, which are uh, you know he go he wears the green wraparound with like the green things, and then sometimes he has the normal gold shirt, and then other times, of course, when he's in the court, he's 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 got his dress uniform on, but he changes out of his dress uniform when he goes back up to the ship. It's there's a lot of going on. Uh, but he's there and he's talking to this other character who will become very prevalent throughout the episode, who I'm just going to kind of show here. This is Commodore Stone. And Commodore Stone is the commander of Starbase 11. Now, he is, a, if you don't know, a Commodore is one rank above captain, just below admiral, rear admiral, more specifically. Uh, but what's interesting, too, about Commodore Stone is that he wears the, 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 the red, uh, not gold. He's not a command division he's operations division uh, and we'll see here too that there will be other staff officers who are part of this court martial uh judge including this guy whose name i can't remember but he's they say he's a starship captain uh here's them all kind of sitting here together uh we also have this guy with the mustache who's really fun he is also said to be a captain of a starship in the science division um and and we also have this guy um who is another cat i think another cat there is this is not Richard Daystrom. This is Commodore well, Stone. Like he, he, he does not that. look just like him. Like well, I mean, yeah, put the two pictures up side by side. I would oh. like to kind of talk about this guy quick because I mean, uh, you know, they make a big deal on Star Trek about the first interracial kiss, but like to have a captain in this episode that's African American that is like in a position of authority over Kirk, I think was a big deal too, but I don't know if it ever got the attention. Well, yeah, he's like, he's not only, he's uh, the commander of the base. He's the first flag officer of non-white flag officer. He's uh, shown to be, he's above them, right? Because the, the other three are captains. He's a Commodore. So he actually outranks them. Right. Um, and uh, I think it was a big deal. He's, uh, he's played by a Canadian actor, um, of Portuguese African descent uh, from Montreal. I wonder if he even, if he, uh, his name, Perse Rodriguez. I don't know. Maybe he even knew uh, William Shatner from the Montreal and uh, Canadian stage days. I'm not sure. But um, they had good, I thought he was good in this episode. I think he, his role as the judge, he really, uh, you know, he really reminded me a little bit of uh, another favorite movie of mine. There's uh, A Few Good Men, which is a a, a courtroom drama, a jag, a judge advocate general's courtroom, and that that judge, and and sort of you know being really authoritative, not taking any nonsense uh, at all. Um, but uh, yeah, just kind of like what is the process? How do you discipline Starfleet officers? What happens if the captain's on trial? It's a great concept to see it play out. Although I, you know, it's it's not completely uh, realistic. Um, we have him giving his deposition. Uh, with a pen and paper here at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and then uh, 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 the, the guy who's been killed in this accident, his name is Finney, or so allegedly killed, right? Um, and Finney's got a daughter. Finney's daughter is named Jamie, who we will come to learn is named after James D. Kirk, because that's how close Ben Finney and Kirk were. Uh, ben Finney. Yeah, she's wearing her best like Sailor Moon uh, of the future kind of thing going on here. Uh, the bow uh, on the front is in particularly. Uh, she looks depressed the entire episode. She never yeah. once cracks a smile. She is always just in a grief-like state. Yeah, and so she comes. She comes at Kirk hard in this scene. She goes, "You killed my father," and uh, but she, then she like redacts that later on which is a bit odd um and uh which which makes me wonder if she was in on this plot or not i don't i i don't think she was i think she found out what happened yeah. later on and and you know got all apologetic hey just just get him off easy but anyway we can talk later about that later but well yeah it's just her role in the episode is almost like a little bit strange but i i like i don't even know if she's needed in this episode um is uh, from a writing standpoint but they they include her and and i and it, i guess it does help to create this that that kirk and finney have history that we come to learn of we we also get to hear that uh you know that finney's career was kind of not ruined but not didn't do so well because Kirk, as a young ensign, after having served under Finney at the academy, because Finney was an instructor at the academy, was a superior officer, and they were stationed on the same ship. And he left like he did something dumb. He left like the reactor open or something. It was a dangerous thing. An ensign, an ensign Kirk, 
turned him in. That rat. That rat. You know, but I I get it was a, it was like it was a serious thing for him to turn his friend in. I think. Uh, um, what what did you, what was your reactions just to that? Like sort of the backstory between these two. Adam, my it, it seems so countered Kirk to report somebody for something. You know, Kirk who breaks all the rules, but yeah. it, it was a protocol rule maybe, and it was to do with the the, um, the safety of the ship. So maybe that's a little different, but. It was still surprising, nonetheless, because he seems yeah. he he seems like a loyal friend. He does. He seems like he would he would cover something like that up. Maybe like I think I would have bought it more if he had said, "Well, like there was like it was just like by the third time he did it, I just couldn't look the other way anymore, right?" Or something. Yeah, like that. And, and they also made the magnitude of it pretty pretty apparent when they told us that you know five minutes later the ship would have blown up. You know, right. So it it, it was a big mistake. It was okay. Yeah. So fair enough. And, and Jeff, Jeff, dad, any thoughts on, on Kirk's, you know, is that just in character for Kirk or do you, do you, uh, for it's a younger Kirk too. We're hearing about this younger Ensign Kirk yeah. and what he did. Yeah. I have no comments on that. Really? Jeff? It is what it is. Um, yeah, it's just background with, with Kirk that the, it, I think what the point is like, it's showing that like when evidence is in front of a prosecutor, she's just going to go as hard as she can at that evidence or, uh, and even if it's not true and then it takes this mo uh, the moment in this episode that i love the most is when spock comes in this is later on but spock comes in with mccoy and then tells the lawyer uh after he says you know the defense rests and then he just like he really like that's when the episode got really like intriguing to me when um it would remind me of like law and order and you know yeah. hang him high mccoy and stuff and i i, I don't know i just enjoyed Spock figuring out the chess thing too, and then the computer was against them. And then there's a lot of great themes in this episode, I thought. Okay, but what about this, guys? What about uh before the the the, the trials actually called? We we meet a couple guys in the bar uh of this star base, and, and this is before um Kirk has been formally charged or they, they've agreed to this court martial. But there's a bunch of guys here who are Finney's friends. Uh Kirk remarks that they were all from the same graduating class at the academy and they don't seem to like him too much they don't seem to like kirk too much um probably before this happened that scene uh, was awkward very awkward you yeah. know that was awkward but why would they would those guys have enterprise logos on well that's a good question uh they 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 shouldn't they should have either the base symbol or something else if they're from another ship yeah um they had, they had enterprise uh, logos on it as far as i could tell yes that's a good that's a good observation that the, their uh, their chest symbol should be specific to their their posting um but yeah. let's just you know maybe one other thing that. i noticed in that in that uh, bar meeting there is when he met the lawyer the defense lawyer in the corner mm -hmm. and he came over to sit with her for the for they had a drink and he mentioned dr mccoy as dr mckay did you hear that no, I did not. Spock also uh, called it, himself a Vulcanian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it when when they met and he mentioned Dr. McKay, and I, I actually had to rewrite we go back on it and listen to it again. So I think it was an early episode. He didn't really know he was McCoy, not McKay. <laughs> or he just yeah, screwed up the line. They oh, screwed it up, they didn't catch it, and they never edited it out. Um yeah, like there was some uh, odd things in this, like in just in terms of continuity. But I tend to forgive a lot of this stuff because it's first season. Like uh, Spock refers himself to as a, a Spock and Finney both refer to themselves as lieutenant commanders, and they're both called lieutenant commanders. But they clearly wear the stripes of, of full commanders. Um, oh, he's first officer, right? For, for Spock, so you can maybe forgive that one. But Finney, I don't know. Yeah, it should be like a it should be like McCoy's. It should be a full stripe and then a dotted stripe for a lieutenant commander. Um, and then and one for a commander. He gets two full stripe. stripes. Two full stripes. And a captain is two full stripes plus a dotted line. So, uh, and then a commodore tends to get that big grand looking sleeve thing. So that's and and there was, there was a couple little things in here like that. Like I go, eh, okay, well they just hadn't figured out Vulcanians, for instance, and uh, so so those symbols on their chests, but. Um, they they got stronger at that kind of stuff. Don't you think that uh, you know, even as friends, and you know, aside from the continuity issues, but you you come from the academy, people die on starships all the time. Like, what what was the, you know, they're they're quick to blame Kirk here. You know, well, they're clearly bitter about 
the incident from years ago where he reported that uh, Finney right. was killing them all, which I guess they're bitter about. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like they seem to have had this loyalty to Finney. They don't seem to like Kirk very much. I think that's interesting uh, considering that Kirk is this massive hero who has been decorated countless times, one of the youngest starship captains, but maybe they're also very jealous of him too. It's like there, there seems to be some strange things. I, I think we don't get a lot of glimpses into people who don't like Kirk, right? So it's it's it was just kind of interesting. We also have a question here from Captain RGD. When did they start saying Federation and stop saying Vulcanian? I think the better question is probably when did they start saying Vulcan and stop saying Vulcanian? Um, I don't know. I think in the first season, I don't think Vulcanian was used much past the first season. Um, yeah, there was an episode we did. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, where they did um, the the episode where it's all about Spock is the is it um, a mock time? Um, I think that's when they changed it. Right, and uh, but I remember like there was the episode uh, I think it was Errand of Mercy where we saw that uh, the core refers to them as Vulcanians. There was a few versions of like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I, it doesn't bother me, but it's just because they they stopped saying it. Uh, they even said the Vulcanian expedition in this episode. Yeah. But like you said, like that stuff's like you just kind of go, oh, well, that's I guess they were working things out, you know, and you can forgive it. OK, I want to talk about just before. like OK, yeah. So then Kirk walks out because those guys are mad at him. Uh, then uh, the woman walks in who turns out to be uh, the Shaw, the prosecutor who will end up being the prosecutor. But she's not dressed in uniform at this point. She's dressed in like a really interesting looking she's like a hippie. Uh, she's dressed like a hippie, but she's got the hairdo yeah, of like a housewife. It's weird. Yeah, she comes in, and McCoy just out of the blue says, "Yes, that was Captain Kirk," and I'm friends with him. And I, I'm, I'm here scratching my head, going, "Is Kirk? Is McCoy trying to use this as an opportunity to talk to her, or is he trying to be more of a wingman or uh, to help set Kirk up, or is it either or?" I don't think Kirk needs help, you know, with the ladies. You know, I, I think he was trying to slide his way in there himself. He's trying to get, scoop him. Yeah, he's like, oh, I know, I I know Kirk. You know? He wasn't gonna let that southern charm take over. <laughs> yeah, but they end up becoming friends and having drinks together and whatever. Um, and, and which also leads to this whole scene where we we find so out that uh, what's that? I said I think they knew each other from before years you ago. Think that, you think the McCoy knew Shaw before? No, 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 Kirk did. Oh yeah, Kirk knew her from like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he was planning to meet her here anyway, it seems. Uh, but she happened to be here too, and then she got to sign this case. But the whole thing about the even having the court martial itself, because Commodore uh, Stone uh, that we discussed earlier, he gives Kirk a chance out. He says, "You have to take a permanent desk job, and and we'll sweep this under the rug effectively," which Kirk objects to. What did you think of that, Jeff? This this uh, almost cover up. Um. I don't know <laughs> uh, what that wasn't what stood out in the episode for me, uh, but it was definitely like a good a good introduction to like that like that whole character. I guess I didn't think that was kind of what they were trying to go for. Well, he says I, we I, we won't have the sm the service smeared. We won't we won't right. disgrace Starfleet by telling the truth and and revealing what happened because Kirk is such a uh, a, no a known figure. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the, everybody's going bending over backwards to make sure Kirk, like most of that, like Kirk isn't accused and like convicted just on hearsay. Uh, even the prosecutor is kind of going like, look, I don't, I really like you, but I'm, I still have to come after you and bury you. She says basically at one right. point and, 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 but everybody's kind of like, like still admiring him. So he's kind of like flattered cause he's like, okay, well I know I didn't do this and everybody's kind of on my side. So this is going to go fine. Not those guys at the bar. Well, yeah, the guys at the bar, the, uh, screw those guys. Uh, I mean, most of the most of it, the episode has to do with the court, the court martial, and like the. I love how the court martial moves throughout the episode too. It's hilarious. It's like we're on the bridge now. We're in the we're in the ready room. We're you know, you know it's, they move all the judges and all the. Process. It's amazing. It's like, <laughs> like we're all gonna set up here now, and now we're yeah. all gonna set up there. Can you yeah. imagine like in the OJ case? They're like, all right, we're going, we're going to Rockford or whatever, and we're going, <laughs> we're going to Bundy. You know, <laughs> we're setting up shop over here. Yeah, I don't think that's they how did do that. Work. They didn't set up shop, but they did go there. 
Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on like the potential cover up we almost had here before Kirk said, no, I demand it. I demand a trial right now. Yeah, he was like, I, I need to be put 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 into a court martial here. I, I, that, that was weird. Like, who would do that? Finney changed the facts on it. Well, yeah, he knew what he did and didn't do, but even he starts to doubt himself throughout the court. Like, as yeah, things... after he showed the video, he did, yeah. Yeah, especially after the video. But it was even, but they told him, no, like, like well, first of all, in any court case, both he and his defense would get the same evidence at the uh, well in advance uh, before you wouldn't see. Like, this is what things that drive me nuts about these courtroom on TV shows, like, whether it be Alpha. Matlock, whether it be Law and Order, whatever. Like, evidence is evidence. It, do, it doesn't get like. Uh, it is. It, it's not like the, any person sees it for the first time at their trial. You know, it, it would have to be under extraordinary circumstances. But it's it's just a trope of TV, whether it be Perry Mason or whatever. Um, we all learned that on my cousin Vinny. I don't know. Watch that movie. You know where they said she says to uh, to uh, Joe Pesci, "You have to. He has to show you those files." It's called disclosure. Full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, this episode really has it all. I mean, it has, you know, dress uniforms. It has a courtroom scene. It has a, uh, a fight scene with Kirk ripping his shirt off. It has Kirk go going through the Jeffrey tubes with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, has a, it has a kiss. It has it has a Spock figuring out a problem while playing chess. Like this episode really has like so it much. It's even got McCoy giving Spock shit. Like, <laughs> uh, that was hilarious. The wrench. <laughs> what the wrench there? <laughs> Dave, don't you? We pulled a wrench out in the in the engine room. It was like the three of them across this when it was fighting Khan. But that's not for a couple episodes, isn't it? Isn't it, or was it already? Is this episode after know. the Khan episode? Like, the wrenches in that show were like built into the. We're built into it. You can kind of, well, it's like a little bit here in my yeah, background. I have it, but uh, Space Speed was after this. So there you go. So this is the first fight within the engine engineering room. They're like, let's do that again. Well, yeah, it's a big white space. Yeah, <laughs> right? Somebody got in trouble for leaving the wrench around because it was just sitting there. Yeah, Christina, yeah. nobody leaving wrenches around here. Yeah, the, the yeah. fight sequence, it's. Uh, it's got you're right. You're kind of right, Jeff. It does have everything. Yet I don't know how well regarded this episode is or not. The, we do see a lot of the things like in this episode come up over and over again. Like when when people take the the, the stand and they put their hand on the 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 thing and it tell it says their name, service number, and all of their accolades, like all of, every medal they've ever gotten, uh, which they do repeat again and again in Star Trek as we get some more of these formal trials. Um, and just like with Data later on when he gets put on trial or for his very life, um, you know, Kirk puts his hand down and they go, yeah, he's been, they, they keep going with his accolades and his medals and da 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 Even Shaw's like, I object. This is, we acknowledge he's got a lot. And just like Picard did, uh, his lawyer says, no, I want it all red, which I thought was was good. I thought that was a strong uh, scene. Uh, but then he then he, he kind of shows some pettiness when he says, well, I think I've heard enough. Um, so can we just talk quickly about, we kind of talk, I, I think Shaw is presented pretty well, but I want to talk about this guy, this lawyer who's recommended by the prosecution, um, Cogley. Uh, this guy is not a good lawyer. I am going to go on the record right now. He was uh, not, you know, uh, despite his affection for books uh, and his disdain for a computer, uh, which makes him sort of McCoy-esque. That's neither here nor there. That's not really my issue. My issue is that he does no cross-examination on any of the three witnesses that come, the first three witnesses. We get Spock, then this personnel officer who is not named, and then McCoy uh, before Kirk finally takes the stand. I think I think he did the right thing, actually. I don't think, no he, needed to, I don't think he needed to do cross-examination with those three witnesses. I think... What was he going to ask him that the prosecution was not going to ask? What was he going to say to the those three witnesses to make the court believe that Kirk, you know, is a good guy? Whatever he can, that's his job. Yeah, but he didn't need to. Like it was already self-explanatory. He was. I thought he was right. Where he was just like, let's just put Kirk on the stand and let's get to the bottom of this. Because like I thought the the three witnesses were kind of, I think, inconsequential. That was not the evidence that was going to end up 
burying Kirk. It was the it was the actual videotape recording of the incident that was doctored that we find out later. But that that was what was the the burying evidence, right? Right. Okay. Well, the other thing too about this evidence though is that there were numerous witnesses present, yet nobody other than the video camera actually saw what Kirk did. Oh, he pressed that button on his control panel. It was very, it was very subtle, and uh, so I don't know. But like, I don't understand. Everybody on present would know if there was a red alert or not, right? And they said it was, and there really was in real life, but the actual recording was wrong, right? So he must have doesn't all that, that doesn't all that testimony refute a recording? Yeah, but the recording is going to be taken as bigger evidence. I, I disagree with you that I, I that you think he was a bad lawyer. I think he just didn't know until Spock came into with the other evidence that well, how to argue the case. I don't think he knew what who the accuser was, and then he found out it was the computer, and then he goes, "Oh, well, then he has to face his accuser." And then they find out that the Finney wasn't actually dead, and the result it was a great mystery. I thought it was it was very Scooby Doo esque. I, I think that he was very. <clears throat> very 60s lawyer type too. Like you look at Inherit the Wind, the movie, um, mm -hmm. again, Gray Mason, but that whole speech that he did on, you know, you know um, what was it? You're talking about the computer having no right. We, sorry, we have to trust. And, and uh, anyway, it was really good. I thought that, you know, you're right, Jeff, he had nothing. The guy had no case and he was ready to throw in the towel. And then he saw the video and he goes, what am I going to do? You want to yeah. plead? Because, there's nothing for me here. And then he's, he's, they're down there ready to go. And then Spock comes in, whispers to him. And then you could see the light go off in his head. Okay. Now I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus. And he goes right to the, to the, to the judges and starts talking. Yeah. He had to move pretty quick there after that happened. All came out, came down. If I was Cogley and when that personnel officer goes up and they, they, and Shaw interviews her about, okay, tell me about the incident where Finney was, was reprimanded, where, Ensign Kirk re reported him. Da da da. Like Cogley could have gone in, up and said, "And what? And, and what did Kirk do after those facts? Did he not approve this man to be a, a member of his crew? Did he not treat him? Does everything reflect that he treated him fairly uh, and uh, and well? Like there's whether or not Kirk is innocent, and even if his lawyer is infallibly sure of that, like he cast doubt on any of the arguments that Shaw is making. Right? That's the role of his lawyer. Um, Regardless, if even if he's got in, he, he didn't have a smoking gun. He was about to lose this case until Spock shows up with this computer uh, uh, solution, right? So he, I don't know. No one else is with me. I, I guess I, I'm on my own. Um, I mean, no. I, I think uh, it's kind of what Adam said. Like uh, he didn't know what he had to argue for the first. Even if he does go cross-examine those people, Dave, what's he going to prove? Like what's what? Even you know he might gain favor in the character of Kirk, but there will be no discernible proof that Kirk did not do what they're accusing him of doing by cross-examining those three people. His job is not to prove anything. His job is to not to is. Is, No, his job is to make sure she can't prove anything. Well, so, sure. Right? Right, but he has to defend his client, sure, but that doesn't mean he might have hurt himself by cross-examining those three People, he might have made the accuser somebody else, or so you know, and then ruined his argument later, you know. So that you know, I don't know. You can look at it, it a few ways. on Kirk's character, like sp like Spock and McCoy, in both of their testimonies are like, no, Captain Kirk would never do that. He's the best guy ever. Da right. da 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 da. He Cogley could have kept riffing on that in the cross examination. Tell me more about this. Tell me about why why you know this can't this can't be true for your your commanding officer. But you know what, though, David, I mean, he's already known as that. He's already got all those decorations. He's he's the youngest captain in Starfleet. Like, what more can this this lawyer do? I mean, Kirk is Kirk. Everybody knows Kirk. Yeah. Uh, more than nothing. Like, I don't know. Like, so I like, just think he didn't know how to even argue this case yet. He didn't know what really was going on as far as the evidence. Um, it, it was very murky until the video was released. Um what what their case was against Kirk? They the didn't have one. He didn't do any discovery. He did no pre. Uh, he did no depositions. He did no pre-briefs before his case. Uh, and so he's not a good lawyer. We got fifty <laughs> minutes in this episode to wrap it up. You know, so I, it was like you know. I, I think that maybe these scenes might have been done. Um, however, I think that it was done in a good way. 
Um, I wasn't yeah, I, right, uh, and right. I and I I I I I can get off of it, but like it's just like I'm like okay, that's not really because I I watch a lot of Law and Order, a lot of legal shows, and but this is the 1960s, and this and uh, dad, dad, to your point, I think like movies like My Cousin Vinny came along and changed people like they. Uh, sort of awareness of how courtrooms are supposed to work and criminal laws yeah. work has increased. Well, there was a very famous movie that came out well before this, To Kill a Mockingbird, and there was many others in the '60s about courtroom dramas about and here at the wind, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and Perry Mason was a show on back in those days that was uh, on every week, and there was always a murder in a Perry Mason show that you never knew to the very end who did it. Like Matt Lott. And that's what this is Star Trek's version of that. And I think they do a a particular good job with it. I think it it has, they have fun with the episode, I thought. I mean, the only thing that I I didn't like, I mean, I liked the lawyer himself, but I thought thought the casting was odd on him. He he didn't look like a Star Trek character. You know, he's an older, you know, very quirky. You know, compared to the, you know, the the, uh, prosecutor. Who you know, younger and just seemed like a not. Was he even military? Like was he even Star? He's not even. That's the other irregularity here. He's not even. Yeah. He's not Judge Advocate General Core. He's he's not in Starfleet, so he shouldn't be able to be even in this proceeding. Like right. uh, military Starfleet and military organizations have their own trials. They're outside of civilian affairs, and and le- so right. maybe he was the only other. Right. So much like but. much like a few good men, he should have a Tom Cruise type lawyer that's in the Navy or in you know a different branch. Of yeah, Star- another officer. And and so what happens in later on in Next Generation when Data goes on trial and there aren't enough lawyers present that they put other officers in first. And uh, and in that case, Riker ends up in the role of the prosecutor and Picard in the role of defense. Um, and they it's just a duty. That's what they have to do. Like it's it's part of their of how they solve things. Um, in the military, like few good men. Like a, a couple other things there too is like you know they talked about you know the other judges are coming in, so they had to divert these ships to come to the starbase so they could stand be on the on the um, on the on the uh, be a judge, you know, uh, you know. So it was, that that was realistic because they have to bring in higher ranking officers, I guess, you know. Um, but but you're just just the only thing that that bugged me was was. I like the lawyer, but I didn't like the choice of character for him. Like, or yeah, the, you didn't like this casting. Yeah, I didn't like the casting. Yeah, um, and I just want to talk a little bit about Shaw herself because we haven't really focused on her heavily. Uh, where's my picture of her? Uh, but she is the only. I thought she was actually quite good. Uh, at, like, she's present her character. Well, okay, well, she's a little bit too. She's super into Kirk, you know, but that's whatever but as professionally she's pre- presented as quite competent uh very um uh you know like on point uh kind of separates her emotions from the situation uh which i thought was quite admirable and uh she's the only woman in the original series to wear a, a dress uniform this is actually a dress variant uh for the for the ladies um that uh that we never see again which has like the gold uh trim around her collar there and stuff like that so, and the material's a little bit shinier, I guess. You know what they could have done to make it even better, though? As a judge, it would have been cool if she had some kind of legal approach on there or whatever, because that was just like a flower to me. It would yeah. be good, like a scale or something, you know, I think. Something to made. represent the JAG core? Yeah, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you guys think of Shaw, Dad, Jeff? Uh, I think that she uh, should have turned down the... Uh... The, the job because she knew Kirk and she says she was like almost compromised before she took this job. Um, so I, I think she was uh, not the right person for the job if, if they made a friendship with them too before before this happened. So that would be I my like, opinion. Even though there's a friendship, uh, she does not let up trying to prosecute Kirk. She no, goes, I know. She's... So it's, just, it's kind of odd. And he doesn't hold it against her either. No. No, no he doesn't. Because uh, Jeff, later on uh, in Next Gen, that, that we where that judge at Data's trial, remember? Because the the rule is that any ship that's lost, and in, in Picard's case, it was the Stargazer was lost in that f- incident with the Ferengi. That she uh, I can't remember that name of that character right now, but she went after Picard with intense scrutiny that he did not get over it for many years. Uh, he was very upset because they basically blamed him for the loss of the ship. Um, 
I don't know what my question is. I guess it's like uh, sort of, can you respect that, that a lawyer just has to be a lawyer or is there friendship sort of, um, or, and, and maybe even a relationship here in Kirk's case. And also in Picard's case, I always thought that was a little romantic between him and what's her name, that captain from that episode. Jeff? What's your question? <laughs> Sorry. My question okay. is like, I, I don't know, like how do we, <laughs> the characters, like remember how Picard, pissed off Picard was, but Kirk's over, Kirk's over this lady prosecuting him within minutes and he's making because, out with her on the, on the bridge. Uh, because I, I think he, he, Kirk understands that this is just a problem that needs to be solved and she's just doing her job, you know? Uh, I think Kirk knows, you know, right off the bat, he didn't do what they're accusing him of doing, but he's confused. He's trying to figure it out. And sense of, of course, Spock is the one that figures it out because um, that's always what happens. It seems like when Kirk's in trouble um, and, 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 you know, for me, it worked. Uh, I, I just enjoyed the whole argument, like the computers, the one accusing him. And then. I, I could have done without the Finny part. Like I could have like done without the fight scene, but at the same time we got, it was still fun, you know, like, uh, and it kind of broke up the episode. It kind of broke up the pacing. So yeah, overall, I, I mean, I liked the prosecutor too. Like I thought she, she, I thought she did her job really well. I thought it was a good courtroom episode. Uh, yeah. I think this episode set the precedent for all, like that data episode. You're talking about the Dax episode. There's other episodes in Deep Space Nine too. The one with Worf, where, one where he goes on. He has a. Uh, it's an extradition hearing, not a court martial, but yeah, it's uh, right. similar. What was Finny's goal though? By hiding in the ship, uh, at what point was he going to appear? Yeah, did you enjoy that heartbeat? The way they did that, like no. I, the one part I didn't like was the cutscene where Bones is going around to each person with a microphone. I thought that was silly. Uh, but other, you know, other it, wastes than... a, it wastes a lot of time. Yeah, like their 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 method here to uh, figure this out uh, takes too long, in my opinion. Um, but so was, was Finney going to come clean? Like, like, what do you think Finney was going to do after Kirk was found guilty and he was still in hiding? I, I guess he was going to find a way off the ship somehow. I don't know what his plan was. Yeah. Maybe he had no plan. He's clearly a little deranged. Uh, I don't quite understand. I, I like to kind of wonder, I wonder what happened to Finney sort of after this. Yeah. But that's how they figure out. Well, Spock's the one who figures out first that the, there's something wrong with the computer because uh, Kirk makes this remark. You'll have to keep, you'll have to um, try to beat your next captain in chess because Kirk figures his career is over. And, um, but that's where Spock goes, but, which made me pause. I go, Wait, does Kirk beat Spock in chess often? And does that surprise anybody? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I, I don't think that Kirk is Spock's equal, you know, mentally or, you know, I, but, you know, they, they do allude to this over the years is that he has the, that, uh, he's, he's very smart, you know, and he can do everything and, um, even even to the fact that you know he's into the into the Jeffries who fixing the, the the ship, I you know he never does that. Wow, but he can do no. it. Yeah, no Scotty in this episode. No Scotty, no Sulu. No, no was a Joe Chekhov. Chekhov's not on the show yet. Chekhov's right. not yet. Oh, no? Um, oh, I I I wasn't missing Sulu in this episode. Sulu was doing Green Beret. Not yet, but uh. <laughs> he probably was. He was probably getting the auditioning. Probably his agent was signing the contract, but yeah, like it's because the, the role, the helmsman role doesn't do a lot in this, uh, really. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, let's talk Finney. Finney's plan here was I'm going to fake my own death. Then I'm going to erase the computer because they make Finney the records officer. He may, they make him only one of a few who can actually tamper with the computer. Um, and that's when they, they figure out he's in the engineering section, although they could have just used internal scanners. Um, and so that's, Kirk then goes down to confront Finney and they have their epic fight scene where Kirk rips, rips his shirt. My question here is why could no one go with Kirk for backup? Not even Spock. This was his fight and he was going to finish it. Uh, can't take a security officer with him. Can't risk it. But then, cause then he'll be, he might be responsible. Okay. Um, 
uh, Finny, uh, Dad. Was... Nano on Nano, I think it was. What do you think of Finny? I like Finny. I think yeah. he had a good square jaw. He looked kind of the part. Uh, yeah, he Adam was crazy. Uh, yeah, he looked crazy out of his gourd. Uh, his voice was very powerful. Like, he, like when he was in the shadows, like of engineering. Hello, yeah. Captain. And then, then when he shows up, he's like this man on who's clearly deranged. And how long was he hiding in the engineering section? I think he was just blending in with the crew. So when they evacuated, he probably just hung around. When did that supposed thing where he was lost? How long ago did that happen, according to the records? They never say exactly. I'm I'm led to like a few it days. Happened then in the last uh, like week. Yeah, yeah, it must have. You know, one thing that did get me with this episode is that how many crewmen have been killed under Kirk, mm-hmm. and and this is this one's important. Um, you know, it, it just seems like the captains. I mean, I guess it wasn't wartime, and it was a clear mistake. Um, I, I don't know. You know, it just seemed odd to me that this is actually warranted something. But oh, I know. Well, he gave yeah. his deposition, yeah, and the sensor logs contradicted his yeah. deposition, right? So that's where the, that's where the investigation started. But like, I think that Stone goes at him pretty hard. Uh, like they're they're automatically suspicious of him and, and they're they're convinced he's he's in the wrong like stone in particular does not give him the benefit of the doubt really um he in fact he says i, I think i'm looking at someone who's perjuring himself because how can the computer be wrong they do a lot in this episode to talk about to kind of throw shade at computers uh both in this cogly character also in just the fact that the computer was tampered with also um that uh I, I don't know that, that, that a computer can never lie they keep saying computer that you never lie either yeah computer doesn't lie uh a computer but a computer can't and then even like the computer playing chess and what and that it can't make a mistake uh there's a lot of like they th- um because computers i guess obviously they weren't in anybody's homes yet uh they were just big things in universities or something uh before like the night the home computer comes along right so uh, there seems like there's, I guess it was just like sort of, a, it's a new technology that people don't understand, but science fiction writers were trying to like paint this abstract, maybe fear-based thing into their, into their stories around computers or how, or at least that people are superior to computers at the end of the day. Uh, thoughts? I did, a, I did a computer course in university in the, 1977 and the the computer that we had to do the the work on took was filled over six rooms <laughs> and you what put these, you these little cards little like um, data cards and then you went to the other end of the six rooms over and waited for them to come out of that computer and then you figured out if your program worked or not after that it told you right what did you so learn and then if there was an error, you had to change one of the maybe a hundred cards or two of the hundred cards to change it. Like computers have come like what you have we have today is like didn't exist in, when I was going to even university. Right. Like could people even understand what a computer conceptually was? Like the the, the common still learning it. You know, I never even got a computer on my desk at the office until nineteen eighty seven. That was the right. first computer that went on my on my desk in my office. That's 20 years after this episode. That's right. All right. Uh, but, but consider that even too. I mean, they hadn't even done the Apollo program, or maybe they started it at that point. But, I mean, so you could say what a computer was, and the computer was always kind of funny because it talked, you know, you know, you know, very robotic in, in Star Trek. But it probably was most people's first introduction to computers. Yeah. Well, I guess this idea that computers are not people, it's, I just think, like, I, I, it might be not the most interesting subject, but I just think that I see it commonly throughout the original series presented, uh, you know, and it's almost, it's, 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 as somebody who grew up with computers and they've always been in my life, it's, it, it strikes me as odd. But you have to remember, well, they, like, in, in to, they stretched computers in Star Trek to, to believable levels even back then when none of this was ever created yet. Like even when when Scotty, if you remember the movie in the whales, where he comes in and he and he goes into the computer and he goes computer, and Come he's waiting for 
computer to answer them. Hello, right? computer. And and he could can't can't understand why the computer is not answering, because that was what they had, you know. But he also knows how to work the keyboard, and he's very familiar with that operating system too. So there's a little bit there's some yeah. disconnects there. Yeah. Um, but doesn't like mice. Anyway, so so we talked about the Finney thing. I, I love my favorite line too was beaten and sobbing. Fiddy told us where he put the where he had done the tampering or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the voiceover that was good. And he the pulled out three wires. Uh, yeah. It looked like he just left them there. Question here, like just the logic thing, because the whole thing was that they had to decay the orbit um, because they needed to hear the heartbeats. That was the whole reason for this. Um, but they they're they're at a starbase, Starbase Eleven, which which we saw earlier had other ships in orbit, so they could have just been tractored out of. A decaying orbit as well. They didn't have Kirk didn't have to like necessarily do this. I Stop think poking holes, Dave. Stop poking holes. Poking holes. I'm a lawyer. I'm the. I'm more of a lawyer than Cogley ever was. Like I'm poking yeah. holes oh. in these arguments in this case. So that's that's all. Uh, but that's the episode itself. I don't think there's much beyond. Other, okay, the kissing scene at the end and all of that's that. Just like, par for the course. It's just that's just Kirk. That's just what yeah. Kirk's get a Kirk. Kirk filling the quota. I can't <laughs> imagine any of the other captains doing this. Yeah, like yeah, can you imagine like yeah, like uh, Cisco just grabbing like the prosecutor? Just <laughs> yeah, no, the sixties was a different time. They had a different mindset toward women. I think <laughs> like dating. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, she's like, would it be a terrible breach of 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 discipline?" And he's like, "Who cares?" You know? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like nobody even noticed they did it. Oh, they noticed. Oh, they noticed. Oh, they, noticed. they don't know what to say, so they just deal with it. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. It's like Kirk going, uh, Kirk, uh, "Spock and McCoy," kind of going, "Yep, okay." <laughs> and then the credits come up. She's a great lawyer. Yes, she it's, is. Yeah, yeah, she is. Great lawyer. Great lawyer. Yeah, like that's really that's the story itself. I um, and I think we covered a lot, most of the big points. But uh, Jeff, do you want to maybe tell us some things we may not know? Yeah, let's get through some fun facts here. Okay, uh, okay. So this marks the only appearance of a female Starfleet dress uniform. Dave mentioned earlier. Okay, so you got the lo a longer skirt length, Dave. You didn't mention that part. Uh, but also that it it, it it breaks differently. They have different seams on this skirt. It wraps uh, from a different and right. uh, on the back. Uh, okay, so producer Gene Kuhn contacted writer Don Mankiewicz with a proposal to write a compelling dramatic story which could be filmed with a single and easy, easily constructed set. For the final episode, of course, four new sets were constructed, Commodore Stone's office, Kirk's quarters on the Starbase, the bar lounge, and the courtroom itself. Mankiewicz came up with the idea of a courtroom drama and wrote Court Martial on Starbase 811. That was the original title. Which became Starbase 11. So they turned off the 8. Right. The script needed to be heavily re rewritten and Mankiewicz was not avail available further, so story editor Stephen Carabazzos got the job. It was Carabazzos who shortened the title just to Court Martial. Um, okay, so alright, Dave, this this will maybe kind of confirm your theory. I think he's a um, not maybe not a good actor. Alicia Cook, who played the Sam Cogley, had great difficulty remembering his lines, and they were pieced together with editing. That's how bad it was. Barely knew where he was. Yeah, he was really bad. Um, <laughs> so that's maybe, you know, maybe Adam was onto something when they said he said they should have recasted it. They're like, do you have any questions? He's like, I can't remember any of my lines. So no. <laughs> He's yeah. like, can you just can I just say some words and you splice it together <laughs> later? <laughs> they had, this role was much bigger than they wanted. And then it just fell apart. Yeah. yeah. The door through which Spock and McCoy enter the courtroom is one of the few hinge doors seen in the original series. An actual door they open, yeah. It's, it's, there's a regular door because they didn't build. They're on a planet, though, right? So it's they're on Starbase, I think, aren't they? Uh, yeah, anyway. I, I, we've seen other real <laughs> doors, uh, hinge doors, if you will. Um, this is the first episode in which the names Starfleet and Starfleet Command were used. Hmm. Uh, it is never clearly explained why Kirk is under pressure to jettison the pod. In his adaptation of the script in Star Trek II, James Bleich established that the pod is directly exposed to the vacuum of space, allowing its instrumentation to take accurate readings. However, 
Its plastic construction picks up radiation from dangerous ionization, particularly uh, quickly, and must be jettisoned when its contamination begins to pose a threat to the rest of the ship. Okay, they don't. Yeah, they don't explain a lot about what was going on here. They talk about the ion storm and mm-hmm. that that Finney. It was Finney's turn to do this pod thing, but we yeah. never really see this again. No, they. This was just like a one-off for this. I guess I get like that's the thing with the first season, though. They were trying things out, uh, and that's this is what you get. Um, when Doctor McCoy first meets Lieutenant Shaw in the Starbase Bar, a light jazzy version of the Star Trek theme can be heard playing in the background. I didn't hear that. Like jazzy version. We get a look for the we get a look for the only time in the series at a series of registration numbers on the chart in Stone's office. Gregory Jean associated them with the ten names previously used in production memos, which later became uh, later be assumed to be Constitution class starships, despite the numbers ranging lower than the USS Constitution. The wall chart disappears in a later seen uh, in Stone's office. At the time of the court-martial, the USS Intrepid, the all-Vulcan starship, is being repaired at Starbase 11. In Immunity Syndrome, it will be destroyed by the Space Amoeba. Hey, remember that? Yeah, we see all those registry numbers there on his, on his, on his, on his uh, wall there. Right. Okay. Um, the picture on the wall outside Stone's office appears to show the launch of an early NASA rocket, also seen in the two-person transporter alcove. This is later seen on Space Station K-7 in The Trouble with Triples. That quaint little two-man transporter. <laughs> this is the third and final time Ahura takes over the navigation station. She previously handled navigation in Naked Time, Balance of Terror, she can also be seen setting up the navigation at the beginning of the man trap and the naked time. So they, they were they were maybe giving more Yahura to do in this first season, it feels like. I noticed Yahura way more in this episode than I do in a lot of the other episodes we watched. I felt she was in the episode quite a bit. She's one of the only people who doesn't like gets to stay on the ship, right? Or gets to be part of this. Um right. Uh, I feel I find just Yuhura a more useful officer than even like a Sulu, like or <laughs> it's just like more in the fray sometimes. Uh, okay, so the Starbase courtroom contains the large reflective Starfleet command insignia that appears behind all the admirals the ship communicates with in future episodes. Hmm. So keep notice for that. Uh, Ariel Shaw once loved Kirk, but doesn't let this get in the way of prosecuting him and potentially ending his career in Starfleet. It is known why this apparent conflict of interest does not prevent her uh, serving as prosecuting attorney. A similar scenario played itself out between Jean-Luc Picard and JAG Captain Philippa Louvois in The Measure of a Man. That's her name. So that, But that was Dad's point, that she has a conflict of interest here. She shouldn't actually be in this role. Yeah. yeah. I agree. But I thought she, they were more than just friends. Uh, okay, so the three actors who portray the member of Kirk's court-martial includes Captain Krasnovsky, seen walking. Also at the table, Captain Chandra and Lindstrom are seen in the bar before Stone considers convening a court-martial. This is the result of the shifting of scenes from their order in the rewritten script, a choice during editing to speed up the pace of, the, of Act 1, as it was considered too slow and uneventful in its original format. Yeah, I noticed that because it, 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 Kirk's uniform is the big giveaway on what what like where these scenes were originally supposed to be. I think. Yeah. Um, in, in the timeline. Which, if they if he had yeah. just been wearing the same uniform the whole episode, they when they would. Not I don't know what this says though, so I it could be anything. So. <laughs> it, it's do what they want it in German. Put it back on. Well, I, it could say anything, Dad. I gotta find out what it is, but uh, I'm not a German. It could say some heinous shit, so you might want. Well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just check the translation first. Uh, right. Um, Commodore Stone is the highest-ranking African American, assuming he was from America, to appear in the original series. He also commanded a starship at one time. Okay. Uh, the same bell that they used for the courtroom was uh, also used in the Next Generation episode, "The First Duty." back of the old prop the barkeep wears the same uh, costume later worn by the k7 bartender in the trouble with triples the back of the bar contains recycled pieces from the interior of balak ship um they're saying something along the lines of this this chat has now been occupied by germans or something oh 
Oh yeah, well, because it says this chat, so this chat, Deezer chat, is, and then Deutsches is German, so whatever Batsa Gagagas, whatever the hell that but means. But the D D D doesn't mean anything. Yeah, um, they're trying to take over. Well, oh, you know what happens when Germany tries to take over the world? Doesn't, they lose. Doesn't usually go well. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so uh, Sandra would uh, sit in judgment of James T. Kirk in another timeline, serving on the Starfleet Academy board, trying that Kirk for his actions regarding the Kobayashi Maru scenario in the Star Trek 2009 movie. That board would also include Lieutenant Alice Rallings, a name for the actress who played Jamie Finney. Whoa. So this has a lot of connections to the 2009 movie. Wow. There you go. This was the last episode in which the sound of the ship's engines could be heard during flybys. However, in DVD releases, this sound had been added in for all the rest of the episodes. Jeff, did you notice when the windows were, uh, people were walking like along in the corridors? You're always like. In, in, the, in the building? Like in the ship itself. You see like people walking in through the windows in the ship. Yeah, same, same with the building and on the, uh, on the planet. Yeah, like, like yeah, they, 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 the the remastered version, right? But it looked so odd because this it wasn't a very big building, but you got these giant men walking through <laughs> the corridors. I didn't pick up on that one so much. More, it was more the ship when they did the close-ups of the ship. You could kind of see in, in, inside the ship. I like when they do that. Yeah, you know, you know that guy who played uh, um, the lawyer. His name Cog- is Elijah Cook Jr. He he was like he was a, a an actor between the 30s and the 80s. He did 218 credits. He was busy. He wasn't that good. How did he get so much work? I can't remember his lines. Like he, uh, he, he uh, well, I looked him up, and yeah, every like his most famous stuff was with Humphrey Bogart. So maybe Humphrey Bogart hooked him up. Yeah, but he he was in Magnum like one, two, three, four, five, six, thirteen episodes, and that was his last last uh, last credits. In the 80s. Or 1903. Cool. Okay. Uh, Several music scores are reused in this episode, including some cues from other episodes like The Naked Time, The Conscience of the King, The Enemy Within. So that's interesting. Uh, Krasnowski is the only member of the trial board to speak other than Commodore Stone. His single line is, and when the orbit begins to decay... (laughs) It's fine. The other the others don't need to talk, really. It's we get it. Um the abstract wall decoration in Star in Kirk's Starbase quarters is composed primarily of bright painted blocks of wood. Very artistic. Richard Webb was in his early fifties when he was cast as Finney. He was sixteen years older than Chatner. Seen as Kirk knew Finney from Starfleet Academy, and he states that Finney was late graduating. That is a con- still a considerable age gap. However, if one takes this story of the 2009 reboot movie where Kirk himself was supposed to be in his early to mid twenties when he joined Starfleet and assuming that Finney was supposed to be say five years younger than the actor playing him, that it could be argued that the age gap and historical relationship between the two men is not as drastic as first thought. No, I, I, but I got the impression that they weren't in the same class at the Academy that he said he was older than him and stayed as a teacher past his graduation point. Still 16 years. Isn't that, you know, but does he look 16 years older than Shatner? No, not really. Yeah, probably not. not it's really. the 60s. Everybody looks five. He looks older than Shatner, but not like so much that I can't buy that they they. Yeah, it's not unbelievable. Um, okay, so the changes made in the script make it less apparent as to why Jane Finney's attitude toward Kirk changes back to one of respect so quickly. In the script, she has been reading her father's old letters, and his attitude in them makes her believe that he might pull a stunt like this to get back at Kirk. In the shooting script, there was a scene film, filmed but cut where Jamie Finney comes into the engineering room at the end of Kirk and Finney's fight. The appearance of, the, of his daughter and his wish to save her are why Finney tells Kirk where he sabotaged the Enterprise. The scene was presumably deleted because the episode was running long. However, the cut necessitated Kirk's voiceover log entry wherein he relates that a beaten and sobbing Finney tells him about the sabotage. Beaten and sobbing. So, so they were like, why don't we just cut it 
you'll t- Kirk will voice over and say he kicked the crap out of him, made him made him tell us what what he was doing. Everywhere you put the bomb, and he's just pounding on Finny. Okay, so this next fun fact actually might be why I like this episode so much because one of my favorite characters uh, is Sherlock Holmes. This story appears to be based on a Sherlock Holmes story, the adventure of the Norwood Builder, in which an unscrupulous builder fakes his own death to frame a solicitor for murder on account of an old grudge and is finally discovered to be hiding within the house where he was presumed to have been murdered. Uh-huh. They never had a body. I got a question. Do you think that uh, that uh, Cogley got Finney off when he when he had his court martial? After Cogley suggests that Finney is not dead, the scene cuts to the bridge of the Enterprise via wipe that is seen nowhere else in the original series as a transition indicating the passage of time. It is, however, used in Mirror Mirror. Dave, which we are doing over on Star Trek Radio Theater, when the action cuts from the alternative universe to our universe and back again. Okay, and that's it. That's it for fun facts. Fun facts. But Jeff, do you think that uh, that that Cogley got Finney off of his court martial? Do you think he was acquitted? No, he sucks. He's a terrible lawyer. He's terrible lawyer. Like, Can't remember anything. He doesn't cross it. Yeah, he probably just like watched Shaw go up there and just wreck him. And she was like, what? I I can't argue a computer this time, so I guess I'm screwed, right? Okay. There's <laughs> a talk a computer to death, so what am I going to do? Yeah, okay. Kirk literally talks four computers to death in just in the show. Yeah. All right, let's rate this episode. Uh, bringing it up here. Uh, Jody has brought in, he phoned in his uh, rating, and he gave this a seven for the record. So we'll start with Adam. Uh, who's muted, by the way. Ah, here we go. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, giving this episode a nine. I really liked it. All right. We got a nine on the board. Dad. I'll uh, give it an 8.3. Great. Uh, I like it. Over to Jeff. I'm going to give it a 9.2. Well, that's pretty good. No, I mean, I think I'm in like, I'm, some, I'm, I'm, I'm going with like the eights here. I'm probably going to go up to 8.8. Um, it has a lot of the things I, I want in a, an episode, so really well done there. So, uh, so including Jody's rating, that is an eight and a half average between the five of us. This has a seven and a half on IMDb, which you know, pretty consistent with what we see over there for most episodes, although lower than even like Day of the Dove and some other ones. Um, anyway, so about an eight, an eight out of ten is sort of like the combined aggregate average. Uh, so above average, uh, for original series on all. all across the board um well done yeah so i think uh, i'm glad I, I i've never really i've seen this before but i had never really studied it super in depth um and so i'm glad i did uh do we have an episode to watch next hey hey hang, hang on there Dave. can you bring the scores back up again please oh sure yeah i think our last big rating was well, was mock time but before that was the ultimate computer so we've got two computer-based uh episodes now with one of our highest scores interesting yeah. like computers and space speed oh, yeah. which is very similar to this episode i would and say there was, there was a black guy in that show as well that was very prominent hmm. there you go it looked just like the guy in this one <laughs> um yeah i think well it, 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 we have to put an episode in that's why i still have this up on the screen yeah, sure, yeah. and that's episode dave yeah what little girls are made of? Mm. What, what little girls are made of? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I know this uh, episode. Uh, off the top of my head. Uh, anyone else familiar? And, and, and if something happens in this show, which also happened in Batman, Batman, that was the scariest thing as a ten-year-old I ever seen in my life. Um growing up and i had nightmares about about it what you've never talked about yeah. this. when i was a kid it was scary here it is the episode was made up. it was it was like really weird is this like invasion of the body snatchers or something um no this is the one where they're like they're cloning people or something or i don't know and androids it's androids it's androids okay so yeah, yeah I, see, I see what you're doing uh instead of computers you're going androids which are just walking talking computers all right <laughs> so so we're doing that one next uh not an episode i remember very well but uh, i'm excited to watch that next wednesday we'll be back uh i hope we have a jody back in the fold 
yeah, it scares my dad. So I'm intri- I'm intrigued. Uh, just to any other thoughts on tonight, or I can just plug all our shows and we can sign off. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, your package came by the way. I know. All right. I want to thank uh, the three of you for the show tonight and watching the episode and talking about it. We're also uh, we're here every Wednesday talking about original series, a random episode. On Tuesdays, Deep Space Nine, we talk about that episode. We're watching every episode in order. Jeff, second season we're in. Uh, we just did the Maquis two-parter last night. Next week, we're doing The Wire with Garrick, the episode where Garrick really and Garrick and Bashir have a really a strong episode. So it's really starting to get good over on Deep Space Nine, eh? It didn't take long. <laughs> we had to, but we, you know, fifty episodes. We had to get through. We had to get through a bunch of episodes that maybe weren't the best. But you know, they 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 weren't necessarily bad. They just weren't great. They um, just weren't the the show hadn't hit its stride yet. Hadn't no. hit its stride yet. So uh, so great time to start watching Deep Space Nine Thursdays. Adam, we just finished up Star Trek Discovery season three. I'm sad about that. Yeah, but we it's are going to do one more episode. We're going to do a deep dive with Jody. We said we're going to talk about all of season three, kind of as a one big panel. I think you agreed to the to be on this. I'm just of uh, course. I just have to set that up and schedule that. But check out all of season three on Star Trek Discovery. If you have not already watched that show, we have companion podcasts for every episode. uh, So you can kind of think about them. And we watched them the night they aired uh, going back many weeks ago, 14 weeks ago. That's all there. We also did Lower Decks earlier in 2020, in the summer of 2020. And even Picard is is all there. So you can kind of look at our back catalog of reaction podcasts. We also are bringing back Star Trek Radio Theater for season two. We're going to be, we're doing a mirror uh, episode theme to start off season two. We're going to be doing Star Trek Enterprise for the first time ever. Um, We're going to uh, doing all mirror episodes. And this is the Mirror Universe episode uh, that features this particular cast and crew and uh looking forward to bringing that to life this saturday night uh as we'll be continuing and we're, we're also gonna be doing a star trek discovery um a mirror episode and then we'll do original series mirror episode and and so on so that's that's the currently the plan for season two to uh, until we've at least done every show with a mirror episode and we also have other channels super made of brothers podcasting where jeff and i and jameel talk about uh you know survivor and big brother and some other tv shows uh, like westworld uh and we also have uh trivial debates where we argue about movies tv sports and more every uh last sunday of every month that's when we do that so check out all those channels too all right guys thank you so much thanks for uh listening and uh all, all the plugs and we that, will that, see that, you that is now german occupation area that's what that means yeah we know okay everyone uh on the count of three we'll say live long and podcast everyone have a great night live long and podcast oh thank you